Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. For you Auburn fans, welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson. It's SEC Media Days time. Auburn, all the other SEC teams went up to Birmingham. They got asked tons of questions, and uh, we have some awesome news to talk about um, because it's been a little quiet with specifically Auburn stuff um, with just what's going on during fall practice or, you know, the summer kind of practice. But, hey, fall practice is right around the corner. Um, it's actually going to start in August 5th. So, Jared, how excited are you that we're less than two weeks away from fall practice and then just a month later, we're going to actually have our first football game under the Brian Harson era? I'm pumped. I- I'm also pumped I'm not the one putting pads on right now. It's like 91 degrees, <laughs> I think, today. They said we had not hit the 90s. I'm in Atlanta. We had not hit the 90s until, I think, this weekend. So, um feels feels a lot like getting ready for fall practice yeah right <laughs> but no i'm excited about it anytime we get this close you know i mean uh there, there will be college games at the end of august i assume so uh we're, we're almost done with with no football here right and i feel like right now in this next couple of weeks we've got the, at least the olympics so it's kind of like we get to watch that it's kind of got my sports fix in this kind of like weird doldrum of all sports are kind of done except olympics right now so i'm enjoying that um and also we did an auburn uh podcast on the auburn athletes in the olympics so um if you haven't checked that out uh me kyle loomis and jessica loomis did that uh last week so really enjoyed that and uh if you're interested in the auburn athletes that are in it um it's got some great info in there i remember there was uh when we had our dominance in swimming i don't know 10 years ago or whatnot um there was at one time uh, pretty deep into the Olympics, if Auburn was a country, they would have been like number four in the world. I do. They, they had won so many medals; it was it was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I mean Auburn's dominance in swimming back then was pretty big. We still had a handful of swimmers in there, but it wasn't as big as when we had. It, it felt like a swimmer on every country <laughs> that was competing in the Olympics for swimming. It it was just crazy. Um, but hey, that just kind of shows you that we are uh, not just football school, but we have been, um, you know, we're equestrian school. We do swimming. Well, I mean, there's a lot of different great things that uh, we're, we're very good at. We are mainly an equestrian school. We just happen to also talk about football and basketball, yeah. but, but I mean, mainly an equestrian school. Yeah, I agree. And, and yes, the, those horses are nice. They, <laughs> they jump well. <laughs> That's, i know a lot that, about question that would be all i could say that was a <laughs> nice jump there <laughs> <laughs> yeah and auburn elvis you can critique my uh yeah. my analysis on that he's I, I cringing right now he's like y'all just quit talking 
<laughs> All right, Jared, let's get into uh, Auburn's SEC media days um, and what Brian Harson said. Bo Nix also came and we had Owen Papo. So we had three Auburn representatives at the SEC media days. Um, Jared, I want to get your first uh, feedback on okay, Brian Harson chose Bo Nix and Owen Papo as leaders on this team. I honestly was expecting Bo Nix. I wasn't necessarily expecting Owen Papo, not as a you know negative against him. I was just thinking usually the vocal leader that I think of on the defense has been more somebody like Smoke Monday or maybe even Zacoby McLean, just because he has records of tackles in a season. But he chose Owen Papo specifically. Do you have any uh you know, any thoughts on why he ended up choosing Owen over any of the other guys on defense or any, anybody else on the team for that matter? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, everything's strategic with these guys. So I'm sure there is some type of reason. Um, it could be as simple as Owen has relationships with coaches in Birmingham. So that looks better to bring him in for recruiting. Although I think Owen's from Atlanta. So you just never know though. Something small like that probably tipped the scale. I'm with you. I would have probably thought Zacoby maybe. Um, Smoke is definitely more outspoken. But maybe Owen, you know, sometimes coaches do things like this to get more out of a player too. Maybe Harson mm. was like, look, I trust you. You need to trust yourself more. I think you're a leader. Here's how I'm going to prove that. Come with me to SEC Media Day. Yeah, no, it definitely could be. And and I was very impressed with what Owen Papo when he was up on stage, he was getting asked lots of questions. And the biggest takeaway that I got from him when he was up on stage was he was one of the most rah-rah cheerleaders that is on the team because he did not say anything negative about any of the guys on the team. He was always, this guy is working his butt off in the weight room. He's doing the right things. Like he was, a, he was very much positively speaking about everybody and maybe that's, you know, the image that you want as Auburn to put out, which I, he was definitely telling us some awesome things that we hadn't heard about. Um, for example, I was thinking about he, the first guy he mentioned was Wesley Steiner, which I had not heard his name in a while. Um, <laughs> and him as a linebacker, as a freshman, he, he was kind of, oh, hey, this guy's going to be awesome, but didn't really get to see it as a freshman. But Owen was talking like this guy's going to change Auburn's linebacker room when Owen and Zacoby leave. Like he's that big of an impact. And then also Cam Riley. So another guy I hadn't really heard of um, in a long time. So Wesley Steiner, Cam Riley, I feel like that that's some cool information. Hopefully those guys end up panning out uh, when they step on the football field this season uh, when Owen Papo and Zacoby McClain need a little breather. That's awesome. I did not hear that. So that's good to know. Um, something else that I thought was very interesting with Owen Papo was he had mentioned that Auburn's defense is going to be a 3-4 which I know people were talking, is it going to be a 3-4 or a 4-3? Well, it probably, from what it sounds like, is going to be a base 3-4, and then sometimes you're going to have some four-down packages, so four guys on the line of scrimmage for defense. And I I feel like that's a a good kind of thing to you know start picking, all right, cool, that's going to be maybe how this looks, but you're not really going to know until we get – some good competition probably against Penn state, how good this defense really is. Um, and we're probably going to have to iron out things in the first couple of games. 
Um, one of the things he did say about this defense is a lot of the players have quickly transitioned to understanding what this defense is looking like and what it's supposed to be in this three, four, and sometimes having four down packages. And uh, that's a good thing because a lot of players were under Kevin Steele. They understood his defense very well. And so there's an easy transition to uh, what the defense is going to look like going forward. So excited about that. Um, Jared, let's talk about what Bo Nix said, because I feel like some of the stuff he said was, again, very helpful um, in kind of understanding what's been going on over this last summer um, where the players have been working out and practicing together. Um, it's not coach run. It's just they're working out, doing stadiums. They're running routes together, doing all this off-season work to come football season time, pay off. I mean, that's ultimately what they want. They want to win more games. They want to perform better. Um, so they're putting in the hard work in the off-season. One of the things that Bo Nix was asked was about TJ Finley in particular. So, you know, the LSU quarterback that came over. And uh, I don't know if you remember this, but there was some negative news about, oh, yeah, it's going to be competition. Bo Nix and TJ Finley are going to be head button heads. Like, it's just not going to be like, like they're enemies or something. And Bo Nix's response, I thought was really cool. Bo Nix pretty much said, hey, I've been working with TJ Finley really trying to get him up to speed at Auburn because Bo Nix just went through in the spring learning Harson and Mike Bobo's offense. So I feel like that's a good thing. Like they were you know, working together as I honestly expect. But of course, you know, you're probably going to hear the negative news that TJ Finley and Bo Nix are enemies in the quarterback room or whatever you want to hear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, you never know. And it's easier for that dynamic to be more friendly right now. Um, you know, cause, uh, you know, the competition is still at the beginning stages. If for some reason TJ Finley thinks he truly was promised something that doesn't come to fruition, it could get, you know, a little uh, more hairy. And if Bo Nix were to be beaten out, <laughs> um, I don't know how friendly he would be just from a competitive right, yeah. standpoint, but it is good to see. And that, and maybe not, maybe they both would be able to, maybe they both know their role. Um, and maybe it is Bo's going to be the starter, um, but he has is not threatened by TJ, and he wants to help him out. And I think Bo's a really good kid. The only thing I would see on that is if TJ did beat him out, Bo is super competitive, um, mm -hmm. almost to a fault to some degree. Like you've seen in plays where he probably should have gone out of bounds or did this or that, and you love his heart, but he's just so competitive. Um, it'd probably be a tough pill for him to swallow. But, yeah, I, I, that's a great comment. He's trying to help TJ. Hey, that's a competitor of yours, essentially, and you're trying to help him. That's a good thing. Um, I think that's probably, you know, Bo's upbringing with his parents, and that's the Auburn culture thing. Um, and, and I think Gus recruited a lot of guys like that that were kind of uh, team-first type players. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I feel like Bo kind of fits in that persona of he wants to help out the team in any way he can. If that means potentially the guy that beats him out um, at some point, he's going to, because he knows that's best what's best for Auburn, yeah, it's going to be a hard pill to swallow if that does happen for Bo. But ultimately, he's he's in it for the team. And I, well, I hope that's the case if that does happen down the road. Well, and I, and we're not even going this route. But, you know, last year there were a couple of sideline incidences, especially with Seth and Bo. Mm, and we take yeah. that at – we're sitting at home, and I don't think we fully grasp the, the nature of these – the competitiveness of these guys. 
and sometimes it just overflows and it looks bad on TV, but they really love each other. They're just like, Hey, I want to, I want this to work so badly. Um, and so, you know, I think that is Bo's personality. Um, and, and sometimes it probably comes across a little aggressive. Um, but I think from a standpoint of being a teammate, yeah, I think he's probably a great teammate. Yeah. And I feel like that's going to be a good thing, especially with a lot of these guys. And I'm thinking about Demetrius Robertson, who's the Georgia transfer wide receiver and, and you're getting him up to speed when he comes on campus, which I didn't realize he wasn't on campus already, but I think he's got some schooling or something to finish up at Georgia before he comes up over to Auburn. Um, but Hey, that's going to be have to, that's going to be a quick on ramp to getting up to speed. And uh, I, I honestly expect Demetrius Robertson to still be a big impact on this, this wide receiver core, just because of the inexperience and Demetrius Robertson has experience. Um, he's coming back and uh, this is last year in college. So um, he's got a lot to prove. Um, so I know that chemistry from Bo to Demetrius Robertson has to get developed and developed very quickly for anything to, to work between them. Good point. Need to get uh, him on campus. Yeah. That's the first step. That is really the first step. Um, one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting and it kind of gives you an insight into what Bo's been working on. And so he was asked, Hey, what, what do you need to improve on? And the first thing that came out of his mouth was hitting tighter pass windows. Um, he was like, I could have mentioned a lot of other stuff, but that's the, you know, what I'm working on right now. And that was something that, you know, over the last two years, Jared, you and I probably have, I've definitely noticed is Bo sometimes likes to pass to the you know wide open receiver, and if it's too tight of a window, sometimes he you know tucks it and runs or goes to a check down guy. And sometimes you just have to you have to trust in yourself and the receiver to fit it in that tight window. Um, so I'm hoping that's that's going to translate because if that's true, that means he's going to be able to hit those tighter windows, get those you know, short down passes, whatever that next thing is for him to improve. Um, one other thing that I thought was also kind of interesting, this kind of goes back to Owen Papo's, uh, what he was saying about Bo Nix, is that Bo Nix has become a lot more comfortable, which I was thinking that's very interesting because he had essentially two years under, uh, I mean, yeah, it was under two different coordinators under Gus, but this is his third coordinator different scheme pretty much all together and yet Bo's more comfortable so I think that's a a great thing for Bo in that Bo's gonna feel I mean if he's more comfortable right now he's gonna be even more comfortable come the season and not having to worry about running for his life or not knowing what to do um so I don't know I'm looking at that as a good thing Jerry what's your thoughts on on Bo Nix and Kind of what he talked about uh, for that. Yeah, I mean the tighter windows. Um, I would have to watch more game film. That that um, that would be a biggie to me. Really, it was more just the basic, you know, seven yard out route, or you know, the guy being almost wide open twenty yards downfield and not throwing off your back foot. More of the fundamental stuff. Tight windows is definitely comes from better fundamentals. Mm-hmm. But we can win ball games without him making, you know, Patrick Mahomes type throws. We need him to make the basic throws for the seven yards, three yards, whatever, keeping the drive alive. 
Um, if he can figure out that, then, you know, the title windows is great. Those are mm-hmm. going to get you some big chunk plays, no doubt. Um, but yeah, I think the, I think the basic stuff, I think he also mentioned something about what, you know, when they said, what have you improved on most? Uh, I mean, he could have taken the opportunity to talk about that. I think he said he's gotten bigger and stronger, um, which unfortunately may actually help him out if he has to run for his life again. But <laughs> I'd hope know, not this year. I hope I not. Really I really hope, hope not. I hope bigger and stronger is not a thing he needs, but I would have rather him said, Hey, you know, I've, I figured out some things with my footwork, um, stuff like that. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, these are young guys talking. We can spin things any way we want. We have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. So um, as long as he's got some coaches that know what they're doing, they've produced good quarterbacks. So I do look to see improvement from Bo. Is it enough? I don't know. But I do look to yeah. see improvement. Yeah, exactly. And one of the other things that kind of got spun, you probably saw it, I saw it on multiple places, was uh, one of the statements that Bo made, made during his press conference and it was specifically around not being scared of Bama and the way I read that was yeah he's not scared of Bama like okay whatever and kind of moved on but people were kind of making it out as they're they're not respecting Bama or whatever like I I don't know I didn't necessarily get that vibe and of course it's one of those things I feel like it's a quote that Bo said that kind of lines up with was it dating back to like Pat Dye? Is that right? Where Pat Dye kind of changed Auburn's culture into we're not scared of Bama. We will compete against Bama. Bama is just another team. They're our rival, and they're another team. We're going to compete. Is that is yeah, that kind that, of what you're taking this statement as? Yeah, and I think um, I think somebody asked him to clarify. I think a team member may have even said something similar, and Bo you know, responded and supported the team member and essentially did say, hey, look, we're not scared of Bama, but if you take it in full context, he wasn't saying we're better than Bama or we're going to beat Bama. He just said, and I think it's true. I mean, there, listen, we've had more success against Alabama in the last 10 years than anybody. And I think it's a sense of, all right, listen, we when we step on the field, we have not already lost that game. And a lot mm-hmm. of teams have. when they When they show up mentally, they don't really believe they can win. And I don't know why Auburn does because they are outmanned from a, a a star beside their name. But these players don't they don't buy into that. And if the coaches have them really prepared and believing, they really probably do think they can win. And we've done it enough to where we have evidence. So I don't think it was a disrespect to Alabama. It got put on a headline. I'm sure they will put that on headlines when the game comes up. Um, but it wasn't a it wasn't a disrespect. He's just saying they don't scare us. They may beat us, but they don't scare us. Yeah, and I, I think that's, I mean, that's kind of how I'm taking it. Yeah, they they have stars next to their name, but that doesn't mean that the product that Auburn puts on the field is scared of the, of Alabama because we know we can beat them. And I feel like that's kind of at the heart of it. It wasn't like a a jest at Bama saying, "Oh, they're they're not they're not good anymore," or whatever, not respecting their talent level. We're not but- doing that. Bo Nix, and it wasn't all Bo. We had some, you know, defensive plays and all this. But Bo Nix, as a true freshman, beat last year's Heisman winner and also, like, four receivers who went in the first round. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to call him crazy for saying that, I, I don't think he is. I mean, he's like, hey, I did it as a true freshman. So, right. And he mentioned they got him good last year. I mean, he mentioned Baylor oh, yeah. got Auburn yeah. good. So, I mean, he yeah, wasn't no not disrespecting. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, let's shift a little bit to talking about what Brian Harson said during the SEC media days. Um, he mentioned practices starting up on August 5th, so it's right around the corner. And uh, the first couple of days of practice are going to be split between the new players and the veteran players. Uh, and then the third day, they'll combine all of the players together. And uh, that'll just be you know going forward until uh, September 4th when uh, we get to kick off against Akron. Uh, something else that he had mentioned was around name, image, and likeness. He was kind of covering all of his bases with uh, his opening statement, which his opening statement was, I think, 15 or 16 minutes, which that's pretty impressive. That's, <laughs> that's pretty long, considering I think Mike Leach's was like 13 seconds or something. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he kind of covered all the bases of it, and one of them was name, image, and likeness. Um, he had mentioned his concerns, like I feel like a lot of coaches have about it. Um, one of the concerns he had, and Jared, when this whole thing came up in uh, July, this uh, this was one of our concerns, and it was around you know, say Bonex makes a lot of money um, off of a deal, but yet you know the big ugly, say the offensive linemen or something that are really doing the hard work, don't get paid as much for their name, image, and likeness, and so there may be some like conflict in the locker room between the players. And that was something Harson said, we're going to have to work through that because that's a possibility of that happening. Um, and you got to, you have to kind of deal with it. I mean, for an 18 to 22 year old, you look at somebody else that's making a lot more money than you. And yet you, you think you're putting in the same, same amount of work and effort into it. And then yet they're getting paid more. Um, I can see that rubbing you the wrong way. There, there's always a negative to everything. And, you know, I don't think this is a bad thing that they make money, but there are negatives, and that's one of them. Uh, the other one is, too, which maybe it's not a big deal, but a lot of these guys literally, um, they work so hard and strive for perfection because of that big um, being drafted payday. And so mm-hmm. if they hit that sooner, is that going to take away any of their drive? And I don't know. But, you know, you you got the you got Nick Saban saying their guy who's never even played a snap is close to a million dollars well he's never played a snap what's he going to have by the time he gets out of college I mean does that take away a little bit of your drive to get better and better um I don't know money changes you yeah uh, it, it, there's well, no it, doubt it changes you how is it going to change these kids that's yet to be seen yeah and it's one of those things where sports psychology I'm sure is going to have to look at this and see how it really affects the players um coming out of high school thinking about even which team they're going to go to because you know, thinking about Bama, who's, you know, Saban said, oh, you know, Bryce Young's going to get potentially almost a seven-figure deal. And you're like, holy crap, this dude's never even started for Bama, and yet he's getting this big of a deal. And it, and I feel like that's kind of the marketing about it, too, of coaches saying, hey, come to our school, you can get paid. And, and it's like legal money. Like, you don't have to get paid under the table or, you know, Dodge Chargers or whatever Bama used to do because, you know, well. that's what happened. <laughs> I think there's still going to be some booster money shifted through businesses, but it's, oh no uh, doubt, <laughs> it, it's definitely a little more legal now. Yeah, I, definitely. I mean, I, I I will just be straight honest with you, AJ. If I mean, I got a business degree from Auburn, and if I'm you know my sophomore year, if somebody said, "Hey, we're going to pay you a million dollars," I would have been a little less concerned about passing my exams. I'm not going to yeah. lie. So, yeah. I mean, you got that to fall back on. I'm just saying mm-hmm. it, it will have an impact. 
is it going to be a huge one? I don't know, but um, I think you told me this. Uh, I'll let you say it. What Harson made a joke about taxes or something? What was he <laughs> yeah. saying? Yeah, he was just making a joke. He was like, "Oh yeah," and some of the guys were like, "What are taxes?" And yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, these guys are just, young. Yeah, I mean they are young, and they're probably not thinking about it because they're essentially kind of having to do i think like a small like your entrepreneurial startup business kind of deal they essentially there's are. taxes involved with that yeah their 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 business is their name yeah and uh yeah they basically you're right that's a good point they are basically entrepreneurs and they're selling their name yeah i mean that's kind of what they're doing right now and so it's kind of the wild wild west at this point about what what's the standard way of doing that Hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick timeout from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C Network Booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C Network to join the E2C Network Booster Club. You can also get there by going to our website, e2cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. And one other thing I wanted to talk about uh, for what Harson said, because he was specifically asked, all right, Auburn is a, uh, a place where Auburn fans want to win a lot. And it, it has to do with the other team across the state, but it's just being in the SEC. Like, there's an expectation of winning games. There's an expectation of winning championships. So he was asked about, you know, what is it like, you know, going from Boise State to Auburn and being under that extreme microscope that Auburn coaches are put under? And I, I really liked his, his answer to this because I feel like this kind of described one of the reasons he came to Auburn from Boise state. And that was, he, he liked the competition, you know, did well in Boise state, but he, he kind of put it in a way. He said, as a coach, like you want to compete against the best, the best coaches, the best players, you know, that kind of thing. And where is that right now? That's in the sec. Um, and that's something that he really wanted to move towards because he wants to, you know, essentially show his, his brand of college football can compete against anybody. It's not just, oh, you're up there in Boise State. You have this, you can't get any four or five stars that are really big. No, he wants to show with the four and five stars that he's able to get at Auburn, he's able to develop those guys and put a good product on the field. And obviously it's yet to be seen, but I like the determination and the vision for, I know what I'm getting myself into. Auburn's a, you know, it's a microcosm of itself. Like 
you want to look down at the minute details of what is that coach doing? And if somebody like Harson's a very detail oriented guy, like we've heard from plenty of other players that have uh, talked over this uh, off season, that's a great thing. That's a great thing for um, this program. And obviously it's yet to be seen whether or not it works, but even if it doesn't work this first year, give it time. It's a, you got to get it. He literally has no guys except the transfers that are essentially like, I call you know, his guys, quote unquote, his guys. Um, so it, it's got to, it's going to have to take some time. I, I want to remind some Auburn fans of some things real quick, because I, I do think it's one of the more difficult jobs in the, in America, just from being in the same state as Alabama, number one, and your main recruiting bed is Georgia and Georgia is just, you know, on fire right now with recruiting. So I will get that out of the way. It's very difficult. But we need to remember as Auburn fans, too, that you can accomplish all your coaching dreams at Auburn. It, the last three coaches that have come through Auburn have either gone undefeated or played in the national championship or done both. Tommy Tuberville, undefeated. Chiswick, undefeated and a championship. Gus Malzahn, played in the national championship. So I know we get caught in this rut because we're up or down. We're usually really good or kind of bad. <laughs> And we have to hear it from Alabama and Georgia fans. And so we kind of start believing some of it. But you can accomplish every goal you want to at Auburn. It isn't going to be easy, but you are also in a great recruiting hotbed. So um, I, I think that, you know, taking this job, I think he can he can reach whatever he wants to reach if he's good at what he does. Mm-hmm. And it's also, I mean, we've talked about this. It's He you know, pulled some guys like Mike Bobo that has been around the SEC and other assistant coaches that have been around and that helps with recruiting. But at the same time, he even mentioned in this that he he's had a hard time recruiting just because it it's kind of like starting fresh with a lot of, of players. Um, and so that's been a, a hard thing for him to catch up on. Um, and really the finish line is December. It's the early signing period in December when the players, the yeah, usually the best of the best usually sign um, in the early signing period. So it's yet to be seen. Um, and I was also thinking about usually during football games, like that's a lot of recruiting. Like you get the guy on campus, he watches a football game, he gets to feel the experience. And that was something that was kind of lacking over the last year that really hurt Auburn recruiting wise. Um, and now, now they get that back and a hundred percent capacity in Jordan hair. Again, much more recruiting possibilities, along with the organization that Harson and his uh, staff have. Well, and, and I'll let our recruiting guys break that, you know, break it down more on their podcast. But, you know, we landed a pretty big recruit, and he said um, the the uh, family atmosphere. Ding, ding, yeah. ding. I mean, that's what we hear every time, but we didn't have that with COVID. And so we almost fell two years behind because, number one, last year we didn't get a lot of guys and we weren't building relationships with guys for this year. So, yeah, Harson's kind of behind the eight ball on that, and it's not his fault. Um, but, you know, I, I think he gets it. I think he's running it more like a company. Um, nothing. Gus was more coach. I think Harson is coach and CEO style, and um, he's bringing in analytics and guys like that to help build that up. And, you know, we'll see if it works. Only time will tell, but I think it's definitely the right plan. Yeah, I mean, and this was kind of one of those things where during Harson's press conference he was definitely throwing some shade at the previous administration under Gus and that uh, being somebody that I love Gus but didn't really know too much about certain things like he, he straight up mentioned he was like yeah players are not showing up to practice on time 
and they're not finishing drills. Those are big deals. Like if you've been on any kind of team, if you're showing up late to practice, you're probably running laps or you're not getting as much play time or you're just not putting the effort forward that is required to be the best at what you're doing. So I feel like that's something that Harson is having to figure out with this, this team is what what's going on and how do I get the guys to show up on time, finish the drills, do that. And it honestly sounds like, I mean, even I, I thought this was kind of interesting, both Owen Papo and Bo Nix, the morning that they came to SEC media days, they woke up, they did their stadiums in Jordan hair with the whole team. And then they got on the plane and went up to Birmingham. It might not have gotten on the plane. Maybe they just did a bus ride, but you know what I mean? I was about to say that's, that's big time there. If you're taking a plane <laughs> to Birmingham from Auburn, I want, I want to become, that's some, that's some high rolling national, uh, NIL deals going on there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's true. Maybe they just hopped on a bus. Um, but either I mean, way, there probably are people that fly from Auburn to Birmingham, but that's, uh, that's pretty, that's, that's like a, you don't even get time to get up in the air. Right. <laughs> you get up to cruising and it's like five minutes later. All right. We're going descending to, yeah, we're to back Birmingham down. airport. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Um, all right, let's let's kind of shift real quick, and this will be our final topic for today. Um, so during our normal season, we have a segment called Auburn Fan Perspective of the, of the SEC. But I wanted to do that here just because all of the SEC teams came for SEC media days and uh, wanted to kind of you know pull out a couple storylines that kind of stood out to me. I've already mentioned Bama, Bryce Young, uh, getting almost paid seven figures potentially for some NIL deal that he he's supposedly got. And you're like, that's ridiculous. That's a ton of money um, for a guy who's never I, even started. I heard one of the SEC. I didn't see it. It was a Facebook thing that popped up and I didn't get to check it, but I think SEC live was doing like a quick little thing. And, and somebody said that he should have to prove that. And people were saying why. And I got to thinking about it. And I said, Saban should have to prove that comment. And I got to thinking, you know, that is a huge recruiting advantage if it's not true. If it is true, it is as well, because basically what he's saying to – here's why Saban said this, because uh, Saban doesn't just say stuff when there's not a recruiting advantage. Mm-hmm. He's basically saying, hey, America, you come play for us, and before you even play a game, you could almost earn a million dollars. Right. And, if you're a five-star, you know, top-level recruit, come to us, you're going to get paid a lots of money. So he absolutely said that for that reason. And somebody's like, he should have to prove that comment because if it's nowhere near true, then that's misleading. He's never mm. going to have to prove that. But I see the point of that question of, hey, prove it, because that was an absolute recruiting statement is all that was. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. Um, one other thing that I did want to talk about was uh, South Carolina's new head coach, Shane Beamer. Um, this was, is I, I for some reason, this, like, went straight over my head, but I didn't even realize this was his first head coaching go- job in college football. Um, he's, this is his first SEC media days, like the whole, like he's getting hit with a lot. Um, and he honestly, from what I I've kind of looked at, he seemed to do pretty well. Um, seemed genuine. He wasn't doing the whole coach speak thing, which I felt like can be kind of turn people off. Um, uh, but he sounded genuine, um, also another thing I thought this was hilarious. He took a picture, um, and it's, uh, he was replicating what Steve Spurrier did at South Carolina. He went to an Arby's, took a picture with the drink machine. Like <laughs> it's kind of interesting, like gave a thumbs up and then Shane Beamer apparently 
also did the same thing, which I thought the was hilarious. The old ball coach. That's not, <laughs> hey, if you're going to replicate somebody, that's not a bad guy to replicate. Yeah, I mean, hey, he's trying to do it. He's trying to win over the hearts of South Carolina fans. Um, and what better way to do that than trying to replicate one of the greatest in Steve Spurrier? So I applaud him for that. Yes, sir. Um, one of the more interesting ones was Mike Leach. And, of course, Mike Leach is You don't say. Do, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he always does things that you're just like, all right. Yeah, that's a Mike Leach type thing to do. Like, <laughs> I, I kind of equate him to like the comedic person in a movie or a TV show, or even like if you have a really funny friend. Like, okay, you can take them in like you know sometimes small doses, but like I am honestly glad I don't have Mike Leach as my head coach <laughs> because I don't know if I could take him and his little rabbit trails about history or whatever in a press conference and just go off. And you're like okay, let's get back on topic here. And he's like going off about the war of 1812. And you're like, what? We're talking yeah, about he, college football here. <laughs> he's an interesting guy. I love listening to him talk, but yeah, I don't think that I know it would drive me mad if he was my coach and he lost and he's, you know, making a joke about something. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but his, like I said, his opening statement was like 12, 13 seconds. So like not much, which honestly kind of shocked me. Um, but then that allowed for him to rant about lots of things. And one of the things I thought was interesting that he ranted about was a 64 team playoff. And, you know, we had just talked about Jared, you and I did about opening it up to a 12 team playoff and 12 team playoff seems pretty big. If I'm being honest with you know, the level of talent that I feel like a national champion should have, like, I don't think a 13 ranked team is going to be a national champion ever. Like they just don't have the talent level, but 64 teams. Are you <laughs> he, kidding me? He probably doesn't even believe that. I didn't see his face when he said it. <laughs> he it was probably says, straight face too. He just says stuff. He's yeah. he's probably in a sarcastic tone saying, why don't we just go to 64 if we're going to sweat, you know? Oh yeah, it probably um, was. Yeah. But anyway, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, yeah. But another thing that also, he was, I think, the only person at SEC Media Days to bring up Tennessee and, you know, like the chaos that happened with you know, firing people and just like the chaos that happened during the last really year at Tennessee for fo their football program. And I love that he called it a coup d'etat. Um, that, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that was just a mess. And Kevin still was kind of roped into it, apparently. And you're like, what is true? I don't know. But it's just a mess over there. And. <laughs> I'm glad Mike Leach at least like straight up said it. Like that's one good thing. He does not hold back from saying what's on his mind. <laughs> the state of Mississippi, their two coaches are are gonna. They're the most entertaining to watch because oh man, yeah, they both just um, say what's on their mind. I'm still waiting for Lane Kiffin to write a tell-all book about the uh, Bama process. <laughs> but, um, so I don't know. We'll see if that ever comes. But yeah, those guys are they're definitely entertaining. Um, to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely. Um, something else, and this will be our last little discussion, is a big piece of news that came out during SEC media days, like the week of it happening. Apparently, Oklahoma and Texas want to be in the SEC. Jake, how do you feel about that? When did this happen? Ah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't heard anything about this. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's, that's been all over the news. Um... From a on-the-field football perspective, I'm like, why? I mean, I, it, we don't need them. From a 
money and what it will probably do for the conference. And if you're looking at it from, you know, growing revenue, it makes total sense. Um, I, I, I think it just so many dynamics of, I know we'll get into this even more, but just off the top of my head, what happens to do Auburn and Alabama move to the East? If that happens, do you do away with divisions altogether? Mm. Um, you know, and just kind of make sure certain people, enough people play each other to determine a champion. Do you do away with the championship game? So from that perspective, it makes it interesting. We don't need them. No offense to any fans of those teams. Y'all are great. Oklahoma's been to the playoffs. I'm just saying it's not like we need them. They need us more, I think. Um, but this is where we're headed. I mean, you're going to see – there's already talks about it. I think Clemson's going to wind up maybe in the Big Ten or so. Clemson may even wind up in the SEC. There's rumors going around right now. Hmm. Clemson, Florida State, Michigan, Ohio State are also talking to the SEC. Wow. Who knows, man? It's going to be crazy over the next few years because money's just – it's just too much money. But uh, what are your thoughts on it? I, th- I think initially I was looking at them as – Okay, Oklahoma's like you, you mentioned been to the playoffs recently. Texas, I mean, Texas is never back at least in a long time. So I don't know football wise if they'd be a. I, I consider I don't know if I'd consider them an asset, but they have the talent level um, to potentially. I don't know. Do make a run, and if they they do that, <clears throat> sorry about that. Um, and if they do that, all right, awesome. You know, they're in the SEC. But it kind of reminds me of like Missouri, like that we we thought at the beginning like Missouri was going to be an awesome addition, and then look how that's kind of turned out in the SEC. And it's like, yeah, they're very subpar. They're at the bottom of the SEC in football, and sometimes even basketball and other sports as well. So it's like, it's not just football that you have to think about here too. Um, and obviously, football is a money maker, but Oklahoma and Texas. I mean, I I do ultimately like it, but I. I don't know. I don't know. Texas brand name the so if you're so look at it like this. What it's going to do is it's going to eliminate. You always have two or three Saturday games of like Florida versus Kentucky. Well, now you probably get to do away with that, and you're going to have a Saturday football game of like Auburn versus Texas or Bama versus Oklahoma. Like you're not going to have to sit through a Florida versus Kentucky game. (laughs) Yeah, because there's just more. At least name brand. So that, just think about the money that's going to bring. And I will let me pose this question real quick, and then I'll quit talking about this topic. But so the deal we signed. The one thing I will say, I keep talking about money it's going to bring in. We've already inked a deal with ESPN. They've already taken over the Saturday games going forward mm-hmm. after this year. Where's the other money coming from? Do they do individual games and throw more cash at you, or how's that work? Like, how is this going to bring more revenue to us? Do you know? I have no idea. I I feel like they'd probably renegotiate. And add in, hey, now we we have Oklahoma and Texas, so that's an extra couple games, you know, throughout the season that the SEC will get, you know, some money for. That's my guess. You're that seems the right. easiest thing. Yeah, you're probably to do. right. I, I didn't know if that was already like, nope, we've paid y'all the amount we're paid, and you know, we get whatever right. product y'all have. I didn't know if that's how that worked. Yeah, I'm not sure. And then, I mean, one of the big question marks in my head would be. You know, if Oklahoma and Texas sign this deal with the SEC, SEC agrees to it, and we move forward, when would that happen? Would that be 2022, or would that be like you know 2025? Like, how how soon are we talking? Because if it's recent, like man, that's that's a lot of moving pieces with contracts and TV deals and that kind of stuff. There are reports out there that it could be as soon as next year. I would be highly surprised. My my guess is. 
2023, 2024 you're talking, but there are some, it's one of those things that once you break up with somebody, it's real hard to, to hang around. So you may pay the, they may pay the money to, to make this happen sooner. Um, so like, that, you know, they're basically breaking up with the big 12. <laughs> it sounds and, like a, a bad divorce or something. It, <laughs> it is. And then you got to stay or you still got to live with them. So yeah. <laughs> uh, and Texas is not hurting for money. I don't know Oklahoma's financial situations, but Texas could pay whatever it is to probably make it okay for both conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see it unfold. The, the, I mean, there's so many rumors. There's rumors that when the SEC was talking about it, they didn't allow A&M in the, into the meeting. Um, wow. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but this is from a source was saying A&M was not allowed in that meeting. Huh. Very interesting. So there's going to be a lot of stuff that comes out of this. Yeah. And I have a feeling, I mean, the word on the street is, hey, it's going to happen in the next few weeks. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Like the first week of college football, we may get word that this is the this is next year's, you know, we're going to have Oklahoma and tech and it's going to be like, Whoa, this is going to be nuts. Like lots of changes with football specifically, but then also basketball, softball, every sport, like it's going to, you know, those are going to have to mesh together and that's going to be a big change. It's a lot of, or you could do Notre Dame where you just pick and choose what conference at what point you want to be in a con. <laughs> Basketball, you're ACC. Football, you're independent. But you're right. ACC when there's a pandemic, then you're going to go back to independent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So who knows? Who knows? But it is fun to talk about. And I, I ultimately do like Oklahoma and Texas being the SEC. I see the downsides of it, but I also think that would also help with the divisions kind of like getting, I feel like there'd be a reshuffling of divisions like Missouri, even though they're super far West would move, I think to, you know, they're in the East right now, move back to the West conference. And so it's like, all right, makes sense. Like they'd be in the Western division and then you'd have Oklahoma and Texas in the West. And then you have Auburn, Alabama move to the, from the West to the East. Like, okay, cool. I'm, I, I'm okay with all of that. You would have to do one more if you did Missouri to the west as well. So I've thought about that scenario, too. Yeah. I said, who else goes east with us? And I guess right. Ole, Miss, Ole Miss would be the the third closest to the east, would, would they not? I, I'm yeah. bad at geography. but I think location-wise, right? I think location-wise, Ole Miss yeah. would fit that. Of, okay, they go to the east as well. So Right. I really think we may do away with divisions, and I don't have any inside scoop on this. But somebody mentioned a, a possibility of like pods where you don't really have a division but you have four teams you always play mm-hmm. and then you you know every other year it rotates with everybody else so i think we may do more something like that but that's just my gut i don't you know we don't have any sources man i would absolutely love that if i'm being honest because i honestly do not like that we only play florida like once every six years or whatever yeah. stupid like that it just are we even a conference at that point like if we're not playing it, like if we're not playing the same teams in your conference, like I don't know. So I feel like they'd have to come up with some alternate way, like a pod system, to make this work with 16 teams. Now, you know, if Oklahoma and Texas come and join the SEC, yeah, so. I, I agree. So it'll be, we'll, it'll give us something to talk about because they'll keep breaking news on this until you know, <laughs> until the season starts. So it'll give us something to yeah. chat about. Absolutely. Um, Jerry, before we get out of here, um, how can the people stay in touch with you? Uh, you can just find me on Facebook under my name, Jared Davis. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at A-J-Y-J-A-Y underscore. 
It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?